there are big trades and big signings that are happening right now. And one of them was just told to me, unbeknownst to me, just before we started recording. But the place to be in the offseason are the winter meetings. They just ended not too long ago. And our guest today, Melissa Lockhart, was there. I'm going to pick her brain about that and some of the stuff that, well, happened as we were setting up this podcast. This is Locked On MLB. You are Locked On MLB. Your daily MLB podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Hello, baseball fans, and welcome to Locked On MLB, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, where it's your team every day. This is the daily podcast. We talk about all the Major League Baseball. I am your host, Paul Francis Sullivan. Check out my lower third. There I am. You can call me Sully. I'm an Emmy-nominated television producer who has been a baseball podcaster for the last 10-some-odd years of the last four seasons here at the Locked On Podcast Network. You can follow us on Twitter, Locked On MLB Pods. Same handle for Instagram. I'm your pal, Sully. I'm at Sully Baseball on Twitter, Sully Baseball Podcast on Instagram. And be sure to tell your smart device to play podcast Locked On MLB or check out some of the other great shows on the Locked On Podcast Network, including Locked On A's, Locked On Giants. You name a team, we've got them all. We've got your team covered every day. I'm very, very happy to bring back a uh, a returning contestant, a, 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 a guest who was on our show. I think you were on our show about a year ago, around Christmas time. Uh, a, a writer and editor for The Athletic and someone with great baseball ties to the Bay Area and someone who was at the winter meetings, which for me personally is one of those places I'm just drooling to go to. And I should probably see a doctor about that. But right now, we're going to bring in Melissa Lockhart. How are you doing? Welcome back to the show. Good. I'm doing great. Now, a couple days removed from the winter meetings, I can finally breathe again. So <laughs> it feels good. So, yeah, I, I do, we are going to talk. We'll, we'll talk a little bit about the winter meetings uh, in, the, in the third segment. Uh, I really wanted to bring you on about the, the, Murphy, the Murphy trade with the A's. In fact, I held off talking about it because I knew that you and I were going to be talking. But um, why don't you tell the listeners what happened when we were setting this up? I was making sure all those things were typed out and I want to go over what we want to talk about. And why don't you tell everyone what you said to me? Yeah, so I said, well, you know, we could also talk about the Korea stuff if you want to. And you seemed kind of surprisingly blasé about it. And I was like, um, well, you know, it's probably going to be a big topic of conversation, I imagine, when the, when this podcast drops. And sure enough, you had not heard the news two minutes before we got on that uh, Carlos Correa and the Giants are reportedly in contract uh, agreement for 13 years, $350 million. Years. Yep. Thir- <laughs> years now i mean so um full disclosure i was spending a good portion of tonight building some ikea chairs <laughs> so if you were using the simply safe uh uh camera system in my house you would have seen me swearing in swedish at these chairs i wasn't checking i wasn't 
you know, vehemently refreshing MLB trade rumors, you know, every second on the second. And uh, so, no, I didn't hear about Carlos Correa signing with the freaking Giants, which was not my prediction at the beginning of the, the offseason. I thought he was going to go to Baltimore. Oh, that's interesting. I thought the, the – here, here, here was my reasoning. Here's my reasoning. The Orioles brought up a young bunch of young players – and for a couple of days, we're contending for a wild card. For, for a couple of days, they were a wild card team. And for the first time in a long time, there's excitement in Baltimore. But there was a little bitterness that they traded away Mancini and a couple of people at the trade deadline. So I thought they were going to sign a big free agent as if to say to the fans, hey, no, 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 no. The, we're going to try to win now. But no, the I, I I closed my eyes and I saw a black and orange uniform, but apparently I picked the wrong one. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty close though. <laughs> yeah, pretty close. So uh, I was carnacking it. Um, so Melissa, let's break this down. So let's talk a little bit about this. The Giants obviously uh, had the money they wanted to throw at Aaron Judge. They don't get Aaron Judge. They get thirteen years of. 13 years. So that's 2035. Yeah. Uh, God Carlos bless you. We're all still here. <laughs> yeah. And, and if I'm still doing the Lockdown Podcast Network at that point, um, that, hey, I'll take it. We'll, we'll sell some built bars. But um, tell me your thoughts on this about the Giants going in, you know, pushing all the chips in the center of the table and getting the, probably the biggest prize of all the shortstops that were available. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's it's not as clean a fit as Aaron Judge would have been. You know, they they really need outfielders, um, and they have a shortstop at least for one more year, who has been a franchise shortstop for them for a long time. So obviously, you know, it would have been a lot easier to bring in a right fielder where they didn't have to push anyone aside or make any uncomfortable conversations. That being said, um, obviously Carlos Correa is uh, about almost a decade younger than Brandon Crawford, and um, has proven to be a World Series winner himself and has proven that he can, you know, impact both sides of the ball and is a superstar. He he isn't as recognizable a face, I think, to a casual fan as Judge um, is, but certainly among baseball fans, he's as recognizable as anybody. And they need star power. I mean, this is a franchise that in this market um, has really lived with big names kind of driving them, but, you know, dating back to Barry Bonds and um, really with Buster Posey uh, retiring, this is the first time they didn't have anyone that was really a household name that could compete with the Steph Curry's and compete with the 49ers kind of draw. So, um, you know, they had to get somebody and they kept kind of striking out on a lot of the deals. It's been a couple of years of finishing second on a lot of different guys. Um, so even if he isn't the neatest fit, I think he still was very necessary for what the Giants need, not just from a baseball perspective, but from a business perspective as well. I think it's a great fit. I think it's a great fit. I think he's going to I I think he's going to play well in San Francisco. Um, yeah, I know there's the baggage for being part of the 2017 squad and everything like that. Uh, but he showed in the wake of that, especially when they went to the World Series in 2021, that he sort of dusted that off and in some ways kind of embraced it like okay we're the bad guys all right fine we'll be the bad guys and you know doing you know the, the whole watch thing he did and for a, let's not forget when minnesota was the first place team for about two-thirds of last year they had the horrible horrible 
finale. You know, they caught the they the Guardians and Twins were tied the day before uh, Labor Day, and then the Twins just had a grotesque September, which you can see. Uh, you could see uh, Carlos Gray updating his LinkedIn page because he said, I think I'm going to be looking for a new job pretty soon. And I, I hope they were selling lots of Correa jerseys in Minnesota for those last two weeks because everyone saw that there was going to be a cloud of dust in the shape of Carlos Correa running. Um, I am shocked that he did not go to either the Yankees or the Cubs. I mean, I mean, I mean, and, and I'm being a slight hypocrite because I said I thought he was going to go to Baltimore, but I did not see the Giants. This kind of blindsided me. Yeah, you know, I mean, it's interesting. Their new general manager, you know, came from the Astros um, and obviously has a long relationship with Carlos. Um, you know, I think he's unique in the sense of not only is he young for a free agent because he debuted so young, so he's only 28, which is you know, different than Aaron Judge was, you know, going to be 31 years old and you're committing to 10 years of a very beefy slugger at that. And you're looking at, you know, a bit more athletic and younger player at this year, right? You know, I, I could see that working into how they kind of operate a little bit better. Um, but I also think, frankly, it was, it got to a point where, you know, they had struck out on the deals they wanted to make so much that eventually they had to just make a deal. And if, right. if even if the deal isn't the deal that they ideally would have gone into the, into the year making, it, it was the deal they had to make at this point because I think they were losing fan trust at this point. I think you make a great point there, Melissa, that the I think Judge is going to break down before Correa. I think we've seen Judge have some injury issues. We've seen a big, huge, you know, uh, uh, you know, sumo wrestler or not sumo, you know, pro wrestler type body that that Aaron Judge has. He's obviously a wonderful player, and the years he's been healthy, he's been a legit MVP contender, and and finally won it this year. But that's exactly the kind of body that could you know could totally break down. And I don't see this. I don't see Correa as being a a player who's going to break down. And he's also the answer to an interesting trivia question of. Who are the three players to hit multiple postseason walk-off homers? Mm. And the answers are David Ortiz, Bernie Williams, and Carlos Correa. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. And I not mean, yeah. Babe Ruth or Reggie Jackson. Yeah. And not Derek Jeter. Not Derek Jeter. No. I would have guessed yeah. Jeter. Um, yeah. It, you know, it's interesting. I mean, I think, you know, he's a guy that has always performed better the higher the stakes. And so if you're looking to have – you know, a situation where you're going to be going up against the Dodgers um, and the Dodgers are always going to be the Dodgers. Even if this offseason, it appears maybe they're taking a small step back. They're still going to be the Dodgers. And, you know, the Padres are obviously all in and we'll see how long that goes. But, you know, for the moment, you're looking at least three or four more years of them spending as much money as they can. Um, so there's going to be a lot of opportunities for him to play up at that moment. You know, there's going to be a lot of sellouts against the Dodgers who already don't like him anyway. Um, and I think that's going to bring the best out of him. You know, he, he does come with a little bit of injury risk. He's had some back issues, um, yeah. but he also is such a good defender at shortstop that even if his mobility was adjusted, you know, slightly down because of the back injuries, you could see him becoming a gold glove third baseman, which is certainly an incredibly valuable thing to still have. So, um, you know, I think he, he does a lot of really good things for the giants and, you know, he does legitimize them as an, destination for superstar players which i think is something they really needed to show and he's going he could potentially be the type of player you saw that in 2021 especially um in 2020 and 2021 when altuve was struggling it was 
Correa, who was kind of the 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 lifting the tide that you know raises all the boats there. So, uh, I, you know, and and you're right. If he's not going to be the shortstop 13 years from now, he'll right. move to third base and probably eventually to first base. But you know, by then, it'll be a uh, you know he'll he'll have cemented his legacy in San Francisco, which is wow. Um, yeah, yeah. Breaking news. Breaking news. Breaking, breaking news. <laughs> well, uh, we're going to talk a little bit about Murphy in a second. I want to just bring this up from the NHTSA. Okay, let's say you're hanging out with some friends. You're putting back a few drinks. A few becomes a few too many. And the evening rolls to an end and people start to head out. And you think of calling for a ride, but nah, you live nearby. You can make it home okay. It's no big deal. What are the odds you're going to get pulled over anyway? And even so, what's the worst thing that could happen? What, your insurance goes up? You could lose your license. You can lose your job. You can lose your car. You could total your car. Or you could kill someone. Everybody knows about the risks of driving drunk. The results are tragic and often deadly. However, that doesn't stop everyone from getting behind the wheel under the influence. That's why police officers are out there right now looking for impaired drivers on our road to save lives. So if you think you're okay to drive after a few drinks, think again, play it safe, plan ahead to get a ride. It only takes one mistake to change your life or someone else's forever. Drive sober or get pulled over. So we're here with the town crier, the bringer of the news, the Paul Revere of the Lockdown Podcast Network, Melissa Lockard of the athletic speaking of the athletics uh which we weren't i was just doing a ham-fisted <laughs> transition there uh the the sean murphy trade uh just happened uh the the a's are the reverse of the giants that they they, they show that they're destined to, to leave if you're a star um oh man i i have such a soft spot in my heart for the a's i so would want them to to win if for no other reason to get a halfway decent sequel to Moneyball, but you know I just I, it I don't see it happening. And then here we go, you know Murphy gets traded away, and, and I'm going to be positive in a second because they they got a tremendous haul of young players back for them, but that's nothing new. This is what the A's have been doing since the days of Connie Mack. So. Um, what is the mood amongst A's land that their single most recognizable player is once again, you know, shuttled off for a bunch of people who are now only a couple of years older than my sons? Yeah. I mean, I think it's probably resignation at this point more than anything else. I mean, I think it's not like anyone was surprised by this, you know, in, in this particular case and compared to the trades that they made last year, this was prompted a little bit because they had another player who's ready to step in and be the everyday catcher there that they, you know, truly believe can be is as good as Sean Murphy. And, um, you know, in that particular case, it was sort of, we have so many holes because we traded all the other good players that, you know, taking a position of strength and trading one of those to fill some of those other holes, you know, does make some sense. It doesn't make it any easier to swallow. Um, This wasn't a salary issue because they actually ended up taking back more salary in this deal than they traded away. Um, But it, it, it was, 
you know, kind of a situation that only comes to this point because of everything that had happened before it. And it, you know, it's been a, a very depressing last two years, really, um, as I, I think, you know, you can kind of point back to maybe Ramon Laureano being suspended as sort of the turning point from when things looked like they were headed towards at least one more shot of getting to the postseason with this group of, of core players that they had to yeah. everything really falling apart after that, the rest of that season. Um, trading everybody at the moment the lockout broke and, you know, living through really the worst season they've had in Oakland, you know, the entire history of the, of the franchise since it moved to Oakland. So, um, you know, I think. Which is saying something, place. which yeah, is really saying something, something when you think about, so especially those post uh, the post world series years uh, mm -hmm. under Finley, when the team was just like on the verge of moving to Denver. You know, yeah, I mean, I mean, it's comparable to that. It is, it is very comparable to that. Um, I, you know, I think, uh, you know, it's, it's one of those situations where, um, you know, you have um, a history of being able to come back from that. So, you know, that's sort of where maybe you can take some solace in it, but um, it's certainly not uh, anything anybody enjoys for sure. Are you back? Yeah. I'm sorry about that. There was a no. we had the internet glitch. In no worries. Opinion. I'm talking to myself. No, I know. I was just, I was just saying, you know, it, it, it's not, um, it's not bad oh. history to go back to that, to say, you know, they were that terrible when Ricky Henderson was, was debuting in the league and then, you know, things turned around and that's sort of been the cycle that things get bad, then things get good, then things get bad, then things get good. Um, but it isn't a cycle that anyone really enjoys. And certainly right now, um it's the depths of how bad that can get in this cycle yeah yeah this is just uh i mean it's it it, it i find it i'm sorry i do i do find it to be a bit heartbreaking you know because they, they really look like they were putting together something um something really good and um um i just i just feel like this is uh Oh man, it just it, it's it's borderline not fair. You know, it's just borderline not fair that this is uh you know something really wonderful that seemed to be happening with this club uh just a couple of years ago. Um and a few Marcus Simeon I just think of that the, the home run by Simeon, you know, in those series in Toronto was like the last moment of happiness in Oakland. Um what do you I mean, all right, let's just let's try to be positive for a second. Let's try to be positive for a second. Because you know, the they did get um some some players back. Mm -hmm. You know, it wasn't it wasn't a, a, a total disaster. I mean they did get um uh uh Ruiz from Milwaukee, um Tarnock, Muller, Salinas are going to uh the A's from Atlanta. Um, I, I mean, these a lot of these are some of the the highest rated uh, prospects in Atlanta's system. So, um, you know, I mean, there there's there are reasons to be there are reasons to be optimistic about some of the players who came over in the deal. I think the main question is is there's gonna, is there going to be any optimism for the uh, you know for the A's? in terms of them even staying in Oakland? I mean, is this going to be how, – how many more years are we going to have? Are they going to, are they going to deliver a championship to Las Vegas? 
Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, that's why this cycle exists, right? Because as long as they don't have a permanent solution for the stadium, their owner refuses to put any money into it at all. And so when you're in that situation, um, you know, the best the front office can do is sort of try to cobble together with the best the um, roster they can with the restraints that they're given for any given year. And, you know, in fairness to them, they've done a pretty good job of that most years, right? Like it isn't exciting. It isn't Carlos Correa's 13 years and, and, and $350 million, but you know, more often than not, they're a pretty good team. And this last year was really the only time since Billy Bean took over, you know, back in, in the late nineties that they've been absolutely a hundred percent not competitive. And um, you can't say that for most of these other teams that are, are bad, right. You know, you can't say that about Pittsburgh. You can't say that about, um, you know, Miami, you can't say that about a lot of these other franchises. Or, or, so or Baltimore, you know, who are, why I thought they were going right, to go for Correa. Right, sure. Yeah. I mean, you know, you're, you're looking at, you know, a fairly consistent um, level of at least being competitive. And I, and, you know, I think, this off season, they will put together a better team than they did last year. That doesn't, that's not a very high bar to, uh, you know, fly over, but it will be a better team than it was. And they'll see what comes of it. I mean, you know, ultimately I think they will know by the end of 2023 where they're going to be playing. Um, and they'll have a timeline for when that's going to be set, whether it's going to be in Oakland or Las Vegas, I couldn't tell you, but um, it's not going to drag on any much further than that because, you know, they've, they've frankly moved the, the Oakland um, situation pretty far down the line. Now they've got to get a couple of more, more approvals to get it there, but either that's going to happen in the next 12 months or they're going to leave. Right. Like that. I think those are the, those are the two things. So, you know, I do think this cycle will end eventually um, if it ends in Las Vegas, you know, I, I don't know what a, a franchise in Las Vegas even looks like, to be honest with you. Um, but, you know, I think there, there will be some certainty there as it pertains to building a team for right now. You know, they just didn't have much pitching depth after they traded away all their veterans and they hadn't really done a good job of developing guys to come and replace those guys. So they traded them away and they had no pitching. And, you know, in Oakland, you have to pitch like that's basically it. And so, you know, they've they've acquired a ton. I mean, I was writing down the list of players that they had acquired since uh, last spring training when all these trades started. And the number of pitchers is almost, you know, ridiculous. And I, I actually said that to David for, I was like, it was a really long list on the, on the pro save. And he, you know, I think he kind of laughed, but like, it was a significant weakness in the organization. They have addressed it, whether these are the pitchers that are going to take him over the finish line or not, you know, remains to be seen, but it makes sense that these are the guys that they went after. Um, and, you know, they're looking to build a rotation because pitching is so expensive um, that they can rely on and then, you know, see what happens on the position player size. And, you know, as it pertains to Ruiz, I think the big conflict um, among scouting people is will he hit the ball hard enough to be a successful big leaguer? Uh, the athleticism's there, the ability to play center field, I think they're extremely excited about, you know, with the new rule changes. I mean, this is a guy legitimately who could steal 50 or 60 bases next year. He's worked the count much better. He had really good on pace percentage and, you know, in the minor leagues last year, took a lot of walks. Um, so, you know, if he can hit the ball hard enough, or, you know, if he can hit the ball away from defenders enough to get to first base, he's going to be a pretty interesting and dynamic kind of player, you know, but we'll have to see. There's no guarantee of course that that's going to happen. So, um, but that's, you know, clearly they're thinking with him. Well, look at, 
they're putting a bet on a bunch of these players here. And who knows if they go to Las Vegas, they've been making bets all day long. And if you're going to make any bets, go to bet online, which remains the number one spot for all your gambling needs. They cover the NFL. They cover basketball up where we're not that far away from the NCAA tournament. They got the world cup. Oh, who's still left. I think it's uh, oh, I, I don't remember. I think I know, I know America and England and Liechtenstein are no longer in it. Um, if you like sports podcasts, you got them there. They got you covered. All the professional leagues, all amateur leagues, even esports. So go to betonline.net for all your gambling needs, and maybe you can gamble on the Oakland A's if they ever move to Las Vegas. Bet online is where the game starts. Oh, I think a, a, a team in Las Vegas would be a disaster. I just think it would be a disaster. If you're going to move the team, and I don't want them to move, I'd rather they move to either Portland or Nashville. I think a team can survive one of those two places. I just don't see baseball in Las Vegas working. But who knows? I've been wrong. I've been wrong before. But um, Melissa Lockhart. A master idea of what they should do with Vegas is that they should make it like they should build a stadium there and then have a weekend series with teams coming in all season and make it a touristy destination kind of thing. That's have the brilliant. draft combine there every year, you know, do events. Cause I feel like it's an events kind of place and not a 162 game season kind of place. That's, but, brilliant. You know, <laughs> That's what they should have done. Well, I thought what they should have done with the, the football stadium here in Los Angeles was have that be the Monday night football stadium. Yeah. And every Monday, two teams come to LA to play. So you got 16 games in LA and there's so many people trans were transplanted when there was no team in LA. Like, you know, oh, I'm, I'm grew up in LA and I grew up a big green Bay fan, or I grew up yeah. in LA and I grew up. And so like, there are all these different people who follow. It was more interesting when Los Angeles didn't have a team because people were from, you know, had all different sorts of, uh, uh, you know, the loyalties. If you had Monday night in the new stadium, and so every Monday night it's there and it becomes an event for that team, but all the transplanted Packer fans and Cowboy fans, whoever those could play there. Or maybe they should have done that with Las Vegas, where that becomes Monday night football in Las Vegas and you come out and it becomes a big, huge thing. But no. 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 <laughs> but I think that, I mean, you, you, that's a great idea you had there. I think they should do that. Um, commissioner. <laughs> well, well, speaking of destinations, I just, I'm dying to, to talk to you, you were at the winter meetings in mm -hmm. San Diego. So, like, like I have this image of it, it being like, you know, Willy Wonka's factory with, like, people <laughs> running around, you know, Oompa Loompas running around with, like, uh, you know, uh, trade notices of this or that or the other thing. Give me an idea. Like, when you go there, is it in, is it in a, like, a, a, what is it called, a, a convention center? Is it in a big, you know, hotel and are, do you see people like is are the people wandering around like like you're in Disneyland? Just give me give me a little taste of like what a day a day at the winter meetings would be like. Yeah, so you know this year it was at the Grand Hyatt in in uh, San Diego, so near the convention center, but not actually in the convention center. And you know basically it took place in the entire lobby there. And it, you know that's actually one of the better um, I think destinations for it because it's a bit spread out, but it's not so spread out that you do see everybody that you need to see, but there's also no clog points because in some of the other locations, everybody can kind of kind of jumble together and then you can't get through. Um, no, but it is, it's very surreal. You walk in and um, it's just a mass of people who you recognize. 
sometimes you immediately recognize why you recognize that person. Like who? Like who? Like who? when you see it, when you see it, like I'm not, like, who, who, who do you see? What is it like Buster Olney or is it like, you know, yeah. Buster Posey in full catcher gear? I mean, like who <laughs> nobody in catcher gear, but um, no, I mean, you know, you'll see a lot more, you know, media personalities and front office people and scouts and all that sort of stuff than you do players, but you do see player. I mean, Nelson Cruz, every time I looked over my shoulder, Nelson Cruz was there. He was there to be the, you know, ostensibly because he was the general manager of the Dominican team for the WBC. But I'm sure it was also to be seen by teams that, you know, could possibly be interested in him uh, as a free agent. Jose Bautista was there. Um, Not sure exactly why, but he was there. I, you know, I heard Jed Lowry was there. I didn't see him. Um, But you'll, you'll see kind of players coming through, you see agents, you see all those media personalities, um, you know, you'll, you'll kind of recognize them immediately because they're the ones wearing suits. <laughs> so yeah. they're going to jump on TV at any moment. Um, there's a podcast row. So there's a, you know, an audio kind of an audio section where different, you know, radio stations and podcasts and all those people are set up and they're bringing guests on live to do, to do hits. And um, yeah, I mean, you know, you, you'd really enjoy that next year. Um, Let's get, let's get us there locked on. Let's get us there. Yeah. I mean, it's, you know, it's, it's kind of has everything you want. And then there's live events that go. So there's a media workroom. They set up kind of, um, a schedule at the beginning of the meetings about when you would meet with every manager. So every manager has kind of a scrum um, and you get that schedule. Um, So those are kind of going on. Um, You also have like the hall of fame announcement and then the press release, uh, the press conference. Um, If there are any big free agent signings that are finalized, they may bring those people in to have their press conference, you know, in the media workroom. Now that seemed to be more common um, in past ones. Now I think people tend to have those big press conferences back home, but um, you know, you'll, you'll have that. There were a few live events. We we were at the first uh, MLB draft lottery, which was, I um, believe the consensus of everyone was that one of the strangest live events we've ever been in because you (laughs) walk into a room. Nobody knew how it was going to work, including all of the teams that were involved, which was very, very interesting. And, we walked into a room with a live set. We're all literally just standing around. So you're standing, you know, next to John Hyman and then like the GM for the, you know, Phillies and then this and that, you know, and, and it's just, we were just standing there and then they kind of start announcing teams and you had to be very quiet. And, you know, they've got the, the guys from MLB network doing their little show and then it was over and um, it was very strange. Uh, there were no chairs, so we were all standing. So that was that was kind of interesting. Um, I find the draft lottery such a strange thing in baseball. It was it, it was odd and talk about it's deflating. not the same as the NBA because like yeah, obviously the first draft lottery famously was you yep. know Patrick Ewing, but like when you know they're like or when LeBron was in there or like when um, you know there was a. Uh, uh, you know, Elijah or whomever it was, who everyone was thought was going to be the number one pick this year, number one pick that year. And, you know, so there's an anticipation of, oh, they, you know, you can get Ewing or you can get LeBron. You know, the number one overall pick in baseball isn't sometimes, you know, busts completely right. or, or, or becomes, you know, you could, you, you have your Bryce Harper's as the number one pick overall. And you also have your Luke Hochevers. Right. Who, who had a career. I mean, it's not like he was, a, you know, he made the major leagues. He got himself a world series ring for his troubles, but you know, no one's gonna, no one's gonna be bouncing their kid on their knee. Talk about the day they saw Luke, Luke Hochaver pitch. 
um, you know, the, the draft lottery in baseball just seems like a strange animal. Like, cause you can get a, you know, I mean, what Mike Trout was like number what twenty eight or something like that in that year's draft. Twenty six, yeah. Oh, yeah. twenty six. I'm sorry. Um, I had him at twenty eight, but right. uh, but you know, it seems like a strange thing, which I understand why it's there, but it also, I, I it just feels a little odd. Like it, you know, they keep trying to recreate things like with the MLB draft and the draft lottery. That I'm like, you know what? It's not. It's not the same as the NBA. So stop trying to be the NBA. Yeah, well, it was funny too. I mean, not funny, but you know, that when talking about the A's and sort of their year of sadness, I mean, here's the first time that they've lost a hundred games in you know more than thirty years, and they don't get the number one, number two overall pick. They fall all the way to six. They were the only team that had the, the same odds to get the number one overall pick to fall out of the top three, um, and uh, you know, it was just. I mean, it was, it was, it was, it was fun. I mean, in some ways it was kind of funny, you know, David Forrest wearing his lucky shoes and his lucky socks, but it didn't work, you know, and it's like, there are people too, right. With their own same superstitions and all that. Um, You know, the team front offices have these suites. So, you know, a lot of the, the GMs and, and all them are kind of in these suites, except they might come down to the floor for, for, uh, you know, a few little events, but um, they'll bring their beat writers up to these suites to kind of give them kind of exclusive, access or um, time to get questions answered about what's going on downstairs. Um, And then, you know, they've, when the news breaks, I mean, you know, it's, it's the same way that you would see it if you were sitting at home in terms of like, all of a sudden there's a tweet, but it's amazing when you see everyone seeing the same tweet at the same time. And then the energy of just, Oh my God, I have so many things I have to do now. Let's run off and, you know, try to confirm this. And then we're doing that. And, you know, I mean, the guys like Ken Rosenthal and and John and all these people that are the ones breaking all that news. I mean, the stamina that they have to have to get through those four days, they don't sleep for the entire time. It's incredible. And, um, you know, you do end up admiring the work ethic because it's just like, you know, we're, we're up till one or two in the morning and awake again at seven. And that seems like a lot. And they're doing it at like 23 out of every 24 hours a day. So, um, you know, it's, it's definitely a very inside baseball kind of event. I'm not so sure if a fan Literally. showed up, you know, right? Yeah, exactly. I'm not sure if a fan showed up that it would be all that interesting in, in reality. But um, for baseball media people, um, and especially because there hadn't been a one in person since before the pandemic, too. So this was an opportunity for a lot of people who hadn't seen each other or maybe had known each other online for like, you know, three or four years and had never actually met in person to get to see each other. Um and I think that was probably as good a part of it as anything else, but it's, it's exhausting. Um, and then, you know, you, as soon as we would go out to eat, you know, as a group, like we, the athletics, that's a huge uh, contingent of people there. And we'd, you know, be eating and all of a sudden news would break. I remember when um, Xander Bogart signed with the the Padres, we, you know, we kind of thought we were asleep at that point, the whole thing had pretty much ended and we just gotten our pizza and that flashes on the TV behind us. And our Red Sox writer had to put her pizza down and run. You know, like, <laughs> <laughs> there's not a lot of meals that get finished when you're there. So, um, but it, you know, it's, it's, it's definitely a fun and unique experience for any media member to be involved in. Oh, I'm so jealous. I gotta I gotta get in podcast row next year. Yeah, no, gotta you, get in podcast row. I'd be I gotta be there. I gotta be there and, and if for no other reason to flag down Nelson Cruz because inevitably he'll be walking around there next year. He too. will, yeah. You and you'll be there too. 
Yeah, yeah, his eyesight will be better than mine. But (laughs) (laughs) well, um, this has been an interesting show, albeit with a little big technical glitch right in the middle of it. Uh, Melissa Lockhart, tell people where they can follow and read your stuff. Yeah. So, you know, find me on The Athletic. Um, I not only am a, a writer covering the, the A's and Giants, primarily from the minor league side of things, but also an editor. And um, so invite you to follow our Giants and Mariners and prospect coverage because I edit those all very closely as well. Um, but I, I'm very proud of the, the MLB team that we have. I think it was actually quite striking at the winter meetings to see how many of us there were and how many high quality writers that we have. So really uh, invite you to come on there and find me there. And then as long as Twitter's still around, you can find Find me at, at Melissa Lockard or wherever else we all end up. I'll, I'll probably have the same handle there. So, <laughs> Well, and by the way, thanks so much for making Lockdown MLB your first listen. And for your second listen, have that be the Lockdown Sports Today podcast for all the best stories, the biggest games, the new takes, great reactions, big game recaps. It's available on Odyssey, YouTube, or wherever you get your podcast talking about Murphy talking about a trip to San Diego and talking about breaking news with Melissa Lockhart of the athletic. This has been locked on MLB. I am your host, Paul Francis Sullivan. Please call me Sullivan.